and welcome to episode 21 of Monster Kid Radio, the podcast where we celebrate the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I am your host, Derek M. Cook. I want to welcome you to the show. Now, right off the bat, I want to tell you that the music you heard at the top of the show is the song We Are the Defenders of Atlantis. It is from the album Atlantis by Monsters from Mars. It appears on this episode of Monster Kid Radio by permission of the band, and you'll hear the song in its entirety at the end of the show. You can find out more about the Monsters from Mars by following the link in the show notes over at monsterkidradio.net. Also at monsterkidradio.net is a link to our Facebook page, a link to our Live 365 channel, a link to our YouTube channel, as well as our contact information. You can email us at monsterkidradio at gmail.com or call us and leave us a voicemail at 503-479-5MKR. And I'm especially interested in hearing back from you guys and gals this week because of this week's topic. We are taking a look at this so-called best monster movies of all time list that appeared over at rollingstone.com. Now, this is from the Rolling Stone magazine, and it appeared in mid-July. If you follow any message boards or anybody on Facebook, really, that paid attention to this thing, you probably saw people complaining that certain movies were missed, questioning the judgment of the writers here. We're going to talk about this list in depth on this week's episode of Monster Kid Radio. If you have any feedback regarding what I say this time around or what we're going to talk about in a couple of days, please call in and let me know. We've had a number of new likes over on our Facebook page. Now, we have a Facebook group where the conversations happen, but we have a Facebook page, and we've received a number of likes over there. And I personally just want to say thank you to everybody who's liked us on Facebook. And if you are on Facebook and you haven't done so yet, please consider giving us a like. The higher our likes go, the more people see us on Facebook, the higher the placement. I don't know how the algorithms work, but it is cool to have more than just a handful of likes. As of this recording, we have 175 likes on Facebook. This episode is going out August 6th, so let's challenge ourselves here, guys and gals. Let's challenge ourselves to get to 300 likes by the end of August. Can we do it? I've got my fingers and tentacles crossed. Also, big thanks to everybody who's given us a review on iTunes. If you download the show through iTunes, please consider taking a moment and dropping us a review over there in the iTunes store. Thank you to everybody who's already done that as well. I really appreciate the feedback and the reviews. And the more reviews we get, the more likely iTunes is going to put us on higher searches or something. I don't know how those algorithms work either. And finally, it's been brought to my attention that there have been some audio issues in previous episodes of Monster Kid Radio, and I want to publicly apologize to Paul McComas, who was our guest last week. We had a great conversation. I know. I was there. I listened to it firsthand. However, by the time y'all heard it, there were some pops, some syllables were dropped, and at one point, it even sounded like perhaps our audio tracks came out of sync. So I apologize to Paul for that happening, and I apologize to everybody out there for having to sit through that. I still think it was a really good episode or two talking about Lon Chaney Jr. And no disrespect to the subject or a special guest, Paul McComas. But I do just want to put out there, I'm aware of it. I'm working to correct it. You shouldn't hear anything like that in this week's episodes. And hopefully you won't hear it again. I've taken some steps to clear these problems up. And speaking of Paul McComas, have you guys checked out his book, Fit for a Frankenstein? He co-wrote it with Greg Sterrett. You guys really should check this out. It's a great, fun read. Breezy read takes place in the middle of the Universal Frankenstein series that explains how the Frankenstein's monster goes from having a a beat-up, crusty, cracked, gross, sulfur-covered suit to a nice, clean suit in the middle of one of the movies. 
Fit for a Frankenstein is that story. It's a fun read. Like I said, you can check it out over at Amazon. We've, we have a link in our website that takes you straight to an Amazon store that I set up with a handful of books and music that we talk about here on the show. You can just click over there and you know go to Amazon, buy the book. We get like a penny or something like that. It helps us out. It helps Paul out. You can buy it directly from Paul by going to his website, which is paulmccomas.com. That's P-A-U-L-M-C-C-O-M-A-S.com. Again, link in the show notes. Go check that out. You know, when you're done listening to this episode of Monster Kid Radio, which will be continuing right after this. Do you enjoy movies like Carnival of Souls, The Mole People, Black Sunday, and The Tingler? Do you find yourself late at night reading magazines such as Film Max, Chiller Theater, or Monster Bash? Do you love vintage television programs like Sky King, Outer Limits, and The Time Tunnel? Do you find yourself surfing the net looking for the next monster movie festival or expo? Do you enjoy hearing anecdotes, cinematic details, and unusual insights? into some of your favorite movies. If you answered yes to any of the above, you are encouraged to join your host, Vince Rotolo, as he examines some of the latest horror, sci-fi, and cult theatrical releases, new DVDs to add to your collection, and of course, the old classics, both good and bad. He even interviews people throughout B-Moviedom. So tune into B-MovieCast at bmoviecast.com. So over at rollingstone.com, this is a website for the Rolling Stone magazine. Alexis Murphy and Julian Ring posted an article called Best Monster Movies of All Time. Subtitle, Pacific Rim Makes Our List of Horror Classics. So there were 20 movies listed in this, and I wanted to kind of react to it a little bit. We've seen some conversation on various message boards and Facebook, various places talking about this list. I wanted to throw my two cents in on this and, and give you the Monster Kid Radio perspective. Right off the bat, we have to look at Alexis Murphy and Julian Ring. They write for Rolling Stone magazine, which is a music magazine, a pop culture magazine, a news magazine. It's not a genre magazine. So Take that into account. While you're reviewing this list, these are not people who are steeped in the genre or at least produce work that indicates that they are steeped in the genres as we are as Monster Kids. And that's okay. There's no judging here. Just keep that in mind. Also, keep in mind that this was a list written for Rolling Stone magazine. This wasn't a list written for Fangoria, Famous Monsters of Filmland, Scary Monsters magazine, or Monster Kid Radio. This wasn't a list written for us. This was written for Rolling Stone. So when you think about the master that these two are serving here, it kind of makes sense that movies like Pacific Rim would be their number 20. Now, don't get me wrong. I like Pacific Rim. I like Pacific Rim a lot. My wife and I went to go see it, and we saw it big screen, 3D, and really enjoyed it. Yeah, I had a lot of problems with small things. But for the most part, I really enjoyed the movie, and I cannot wait to get it on Blu-ray. Is it worthy of being number 20? in a top 20 list of the best monster movies of all time. No, I don't think so. However, since it is number 20 on this list that counts down from 20 to 1, it's going to put this list a little bit higher on Google searches. It's going to increase their SEO, their search engine optimization. It's going to put this article 
and this website's advertisers in front of more eyeballs. So, of course, Pacific Rim's going to be their number 20. Again, like I said, I like the movie. I'm not taking anything away from it, but it's not one of the best 20 of all time. And here's where I should probably point out my thoughts on this list are taking into consideration that this is an of-all-time type list. On Mouse Kid Radio, we typically stay within the, the classic era, you know, 30s through the 60s, maybe a little bit of toe dipping into the 70s at some point. This list is of all time, so I am broadening my approach here, and when I do my follow-up piece, I will be looking at all eras of genre cinema. Let's go to number 19 on their list. They picked The Thing from John Carpenter, early 80s. Great film. And yeah, it definitely should be on a top 20 list, I believe. However, the cynic in me still says there was the thing prequel that came out a couple of years ago. So again, that's going to be a little bit higher on the pop culture radar. Maybe this is the number 19, the second movie listed on their list. Again, for SEO purposes. Number 18, Gremlins. Gremlins is a great film. Is it one of the top 20 monster movies? I don't know. But again, the cynic in me says, aren't they talking about a remake? And if somebody goes to look up Gremlins online, they're going to find this list, as well as a bunch of other sites about the Gremlins. But again, the cynic in me says this movie, again, was placed on this list to draw attention to the website and get some eyes on advertisers for the website. Number 17, The Mummy. I can't tell which version of The Mummy they're referring to. All the movies they put on the list, they include the year. And for this one, they put The Mummy in two years, 1932 and 1999. So clearly the Karloff and then the Brendan Fraser version of The Mummy. The description reads like it's more about the Brendan Fraser movie, which isn't one of the top 20, 30, 40, 50 monster movies of all time. It's a fun Indiana Jones light movie, but it's... Not one of the best. Now, the original Karloff film? Well, we'll get to that. Number 16 is Cloverfield. This is the one that I can't find any ulterior motives to. I, I don't know why Cloverfield will appear on a list like this unless the authors really enjoyed Cloverfield. I think it's a good movie. I think it blends the found footage with the kaiju of the giant monster thing. I think it works. Again, I don't know if it's one of the best. And I don't know if 1986's Little Shop of Horrors is one of the best either. And we are starting to get into the part of the list that I feel like may not have an ulterior motive, may not have the potential to bring clickers to the list and you know, help the advertising and page views and all that. I don't know why Little Shop of Horrors would be on this list. I don't think of Little Shop of Horrors as a monster movie, although it's a giant man-eating plant, which I suppose is about as monstrous as you can get in a movie called Little Shop of Horror, so it counts. That's all I really have to say about that. Number 14 is 1990's Tremors. Kevin Bakeman and Fred Ward have great chemistry. They play off of each other incredibly well. The rest of the franchise is all right, but the first Tremors is a fun roller coaster, monsters under the ground, going to get you kind of film. In fact, when I was talking to my wife about movies that probably should have been on this list, at one point she said, you know, the one about the worms that are under the sand. She was talking about Tremors. And she's not even into, you know, these classic monster movies or whatever. And, you know, low-budget horror movies, not really her thing. But she knew Tremors. So, there you go. All right, what I said earlier about not having any ulterior motives. Well, I think this one does. Their number 13 was Pan's Labyrinth, which is a gorgeous 
film from top to bottom, from opening frame to end credits. The sound, the music is beautiful. The visuals are amazing. Guillermo del Toro does incredible work and is capable of doing things on a more emotional level than what we saw in Pacific Rim. And again, don't get me wrong, I like Pacific Rim, but when it comes to del Toro's truly moving pieces, movies like Pan's Labyrinth are going to be on that list. Is it a monster movie? Sure, I guess. I mean, you got Doug Jones decked out in makeup and you got the freaky eye things and, you know, the little root creature and there's some fun monsters in here. I guess when I think monster movies, I don't go to Pan's Labyrinth and I have to go back to the subtitle of this article. Pacific Rim makes our list of horror classics. Is Pan's Labyrinth a horror classic? No. What about The Day of the Triffids from 1962? That's number 12 on the list. I think it's a fun science fiction movie. <laughs> fun. I think I've used the word fun quite a bit, but I think it is a, a fun kind of throwback monster movie, sci-fi movie. Is it one of the best? Maybe. It's unique. It's plants, but then we already had plants with Little Shop of Horrors. It's almost like they went and looked up monster plants somewhere on some website and decided to hit a couple. I, I'm not sure. Day of the Trip, it's, it, it just kind of sticks out a little bit. It kind of stands apart from the other entries on this list. I don't get it. It just doesn't have the same vibe, the same feel for me. Number 11 is 1958's The Blob. And, I mean, they, they nailed this one. What more can you say about The Blob other than, yeah, it's definitely one of the top 20 monster movies. You know, you have movies like this or Kaltiki about these giant amoeba-like masses that take over a place. They're great films, and The Blob is probably one of the best. And the remake's not that bad either. Hey, did you guys know that Swamp Thing's coming out on Blu-ray? Apparently Rolling Stone did because they made Swamp Thing their number 10. Swamp Thing. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's Wes Craven. You got real horror cred here. It's based on a comic book. You know, I suppose it could be kind of monster kid fodder, but Swamp Thing, number 10 of the top 20 monster movies of all time. At least it's not Swamp Thing too, right? Uh, now, number nine, I definitely agree with. Even though it took me about 30 seconds to convince myself that yes, the super aggressive man-eating shark in Jaws is definitely a monster. Number nine is the Spielberg classic, Jaws. If you guys and gals have not seen this on Blu-ray, when it came out on Blu-ray not too long ago, you're missing out. It's a beautiful film. I'm a film score collector. I think people who know me know that. The music in Jaws is iconic for a reason. Everything in this movie works, even if the shark doesn't. Definitely belongs on this list, and maybe even higher on the list than number nine. And definitely ahead of their number eight, The Toxic Avenger from 1984. So when it comes to trauma productions, I, I suppose you could go either way. You've, you've got the camps that really, really like trauma, and then you have the camp of people who don't. I'm kind of lukewarm on trauma. Some of their earlier stuff I appreciated as a younger person, but I can't tell you the last time I went back to rewatch a trauma movie on purpose just not something that was ever in my wheelhouse growing up, I suppose. Of all of Troma's films, however, The Toxic Avenger is the most iconic. He spawned a television series, numerous sequels, a comic book. And is there talk of bringing him back? I think there is. Is it a remake? Another sequel? Who knows? Number seven. Creature from the Black Lagoon. 
you know my feelings on this if you've been listening from the beginning. In episode number one, when I gave you my top three monster movie list, Creature was number one. I love Creature from the Black Lagoon. Not only is it my favorite monster movie of all time, it's my favorite film of all time, period. The music, the design of the monster, the cinematography, the 3D effects, the underwater photography, the acting, the directing, Julie Adams, my 50s girlfriend, everything about this movie, I absolutely adore. If I was writing this list, this would be number one. But number six is The Fly from 1958. They make sure they mention 1958's version of the film. They don't reference the Cronenberg version of the movie. I don't know if that was by design or not, but The Fly, we covered here on the show with Devin Devereaux uh, last month in episodes five and six with Devin Devereaux. It's a great film. It's one of Vincent Price's best. It's got everything that you need in a mad scientist and monster movie, so good on them. And good on them for including Alien for their number five pick. Again, this is one of those movies that I had to go ahead and think a little bit and make myself believe that an alien is a monster in a monster movie, especially when we go out to outer space to meet it, as opposed to like in The Thing when the alien comes here. The original alien is definitely one of the best examples of science fiction and horror mixed together. It's sequel, great science fiction action movie, but Alien, the design, the characters in that movie... And the monster, the alien itself, man, it changed science fiction. The number four movie on this list changed werewolf movies because it's 1941's The Wolfman. This is the movie that introduced the whole silver being bad for werewolves. That wasn't a thing until The Wolfman came about. Lon Chaney Jr. is a master in this film as both The Wolfman and as Larry Talbot or Lawrence Talbot. It's a wonderful film. Definitely one of the best three Universal Monster movies. As we talked about with Paul last week, when you think about the the big three, the trinity of Universal Monsters, you think Dracula, Frankenstein, and the Wolfman for a reason. And it's for that reason, I believe, they put Frankenstein as their number three on this list as well. This was the second big monster to be added to the Universal stable. Dracula came out beforehand. But Frankenstein made Boris Karloff the monster that we all looked up to and loved. And even though we're terrified of what he's doing in this movie, Karloff kind of played him with this bizarre gentleness. The direction in the movie, the production design in the movie, James Whale, an underrated director these days. I still feel, I feel like James Whale doesn't get enough attention. Their number two is 1933's King Kong, which I will be covering here in the future with Chris McMillan, previous guest here on the show. King Kong birthed numerous parts of monster moviedom. Without King Kong, you don't have Ray Harryhausen. You don't have Ray Harryhausen making the movies that he makes that inspires the Japanese to make a giant monster movie. So you don't have Godzilla, which is their number one on their list. Now, do I think Godzilla is better than King Kong? As a monster movie, I'm going to say no. I would actually have put King Kong first just because he spawned so much. However, there's a lot on this list that I would have changed around or, or moved around or maybe even fact-checked a little bit more. For example, when they're talking about gremlins, I'll just read to you directly from the article. Intended as a Christmas gift, this cute Furby-esque creature named Mogwai is more devious than it appears. Okay, the creature's called Gizmo. Get it right. No, it's not really something to really complain too much about, but... You know, they got it wrong. So anyway, this the list, and I think they got some things right. I think they got a lot wrong, and I think it's pretty obvious. If you stop and think about who they serve here, what they're trying to do with this article, and let's get people looking at it and talking about it and clicking on it and that sort of thing, it's pretty obvious as to why movies like Pacific Rim make number 20, 
some of these other movies showing up on the list. I mean, a Gremlins remake. Ugh. I did double check to see if Rolling Stone was owned by any other big media groups that also owned movie studios to see if there was a connection that could be made there. But I didn't find any. So really, it just feels like an attempt to get people to click on their list, see the advertisers. I don't know if they get paid per click as authors that work for Rolling Stone. They don't have a lot of work under their names through the rest of the Rolling Stone website. It looks like Alexis Murphy and Julian Ring are either new or just spend more time maybe working for the magazine as opposed to the website. Who knows? But that's the list. Now, in the next episode of Monster Kid Radio, I'm going to talk about some movies that I feel like should have been on the list because there are some notable exceptions, and I'll give you a, a spoiler right now. Where the heck is Dracula? I mean, come on. Like I said at the top of the show, I'd like to hear what you all think about this list and hear what movies you think should be included on a list like this. And we'll visit that in the next episode. Again, our voicemail line is 503-479-5MKR. Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivations, 3.0 unported license. Of course, that does not extend to the band Monsters from Mars. The song We Are the Defenders of Atlantis belongs to them. It can be found on their album Atlantis, and it appears in this episode of Monster Kid Radio. By permission, talk to y'all later. <laughs>